What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We love Ascent Nutrition. Ascent Nutrition was founded by my good friend Lance Shuttler, and it's making a huge difference in this community. They have a new product that is sweeping the nation, pine pollen. Last year, several prominent scientists started speaking out about the power of pine trees and the benefits they can offer us. Ascent Nutrition offers raw, wild-crafted pine pollen. Pine pollen contains 200 nutrients in it, making it a true superfood. It's nature's highest source of phytohormones, which support hormone and libido health for men and women. Pine pollen also supports brain health, detoxification, as well as many facets of cardiovascular health. Their pine pollen is selling fast. It's literally flying off the shelves. Ascent Nutrition is on a mission of offering deeply transformative and helpful nutrients to as many people as possible to help bring about a great collective shift in human consciousness and human health. To order your pine pollen supply and check out everything Ascent Nutrition has to offer, use the link in the description or visit GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire purchase. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Dr. Kendra Becker. First, I have a couple of announcements. Forbidden Knowledge News, always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Check us out on Rockfin. This is where you get our premium content, as well as all the premium content from all the creators on Rockfin. And we want to welcome the newest member of the Rockfin family, Raised by Giants. Congratulations, Ryder Lee, and welcome to Rockfin. 
To sign up, go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus or click the link in the description. Our website is ForbiddenKnowledge.news. It's also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. We feature amazing podcasts from our community like Raised by Giants, like Inception, like Ancient Gift, and many more. Check out our friends at C60 Purple Power. C60 may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, and the benefits have been personally incredible. But check them out for yourself. Use the link in the description and get 10% off your order plus free shipping. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Kendra Becker. She is an integrated physician practicing for over 10 years. She focuses on primarily treating the pediatric population and their parents. She is an adjunct faculty at two prominent universities where she teaches to physicians and precept students, doctors, and nurse practitioners. She also lectures all over the country on topics such as autism, the immune system, MTHFR, and genetic mutations that have health implications, and she was chosen as one of Connecticut's top naturopathic doctors and 10 best APRNs. Dr. Kendra, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much. It's great to have you on, and thank you again for coming on such short notice. I really appreciate it. You are, in my opinion, one of the few medical professionals that's really brave enough to speak and teach the truth, especially during the times we're in. Um, although I am encouraged that we're seeing a kind of like revelation of the true nature of the medical and pharmaceutical industries these days, and mm-hmm. that is it's all mm-hmm. about keeping you sick and unhealthy and a lifelong customer reliant on the medical system and pharmaceuticals to to basically function in your life. Uh, But there's a lot I want to get into today. This is your first time on. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what led you to where you are now and what you're doing. Sure. So um, I actually am a brand new Floridian. I was born and raised in Connecticut, did a stint in the Boston area, and then did a stint uh, for five or so years in Southern California. I was working originally, I graduated from college as a registered nurse, worked in Southern California for a number of years, kind of had my aha moment out there that I didn't want to work with sick people. I really wanted to work with true health and healing and decided to go back to medical school at that point in my career. we I got married, um, my husband and I have two children together and after trying to raise children in a communist type environment in Connecticut, we just decided we needed to make some really tough life decisions and, and leave the area that we were from and we relocated to Florida. So I've always been involved with holistic medicine and food as medicine. And then since I've been here in the last year and a half, I've really kind of dug deep, no pun intended, into a sustainable lifestyle and really healing through foods and medicine that we can grow ourselves and really empowering my patients as such. And so, you know, being involved in medicine and and being vocal about true healing kind of sent me in the direction of politics, you know, just the long and the short of it, because they're, they're literally in bed together, you know, uh, incestuously. And so I have been, you know, speaking out very publicly on medical freedom and bodily autonomy since my children were young. And that has now become, you know, a real pinch point for really what I have called now the two political parties, which are the patriots and the traitors. I don't really even define myself as as being a member of a political party anymore because I don't, I think politics is all just one big mess and either you're fighting for freedom or you're fighting against it. And so 
And here I am. And I was in Florida less than a month and I had gotten contacted by a group that was called 1776 and, and spoke about medical freedom. And at the time it was the mask mandates that were coming down the pike in, in the state of, uh, or in the, with the federal government. And since then, it's just been kind of, you know, we've been running toward freedom, running toward really, you know, um, moving away from government dependency toward, you know, just financial and food freedom. And that's kind of where I sit today. Awesome. Now, as far as the narratives that we've seen for the past couple of years, I hate to, to beat a dead horse with COVID, but, you know, we have to talk a little bit about it to get where I want to go with this. Uh, for you, whenever you started, first started seeing the news and the narratives come out, when did you see start to see through the, um, the agendas to the agendas behind the COVID narratives? Well, so I've been, I mean, I, I think my first aha moment was uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So I've been kind of deep in the rabbit hole for a while, <laughs> uh, yeah. but as far, as far as the COVID thing went, I, you know, I don't watch mainstream media anymore. It happened to be on the day that Fauci was on and, and he said, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't take a cruise. It seems to be really dangerous to take a cruise in the light of this COVID-19 virus. And I said, turned to my husband, I was like, maybe we should book a cruise. You know, and so, I, you know, I knew from the beginning that this was um, really, you know, that it was smoke and mirrors and it just really felt like a coup. Um, and I kept asking, you know, my friends who were in the know and, and my political people, I'm like, how does this not feel like a coup? They've locked down the world. They've transferred power of the government. We've got FEMA running things. We've got the who dictating things. Like, how can nobody else see this? Like, I can't be the only one that thinks this is going on. And so I really kind of fought tooth and nail against it from the beginning. Yeah, very good. Uh, did you did you see that? Everything that happened, it, it we've gone from zero to a thousand in a very short amount of time. Did you expect the the level of uh, insane agendas that were coming out since they started the the, the COVID narrative? Uh, no, I really I did not until I saw the rampant election fraud. In fact, I spoke out very publicly about the fact that I never, ever, ever in a million years thought a COVID vaccine would come to market. I've been in medicine, you know, just about 20 years. And I, I've studied coronaviruses, I've studied SARS viruses, and they are, they mutate quickly. And they've been trying to isolate it and make a vaccine for it for my entire medical career. Uh, I spoke very, very publicly about the fact that this would never, ever come to market because they've never had a viable vaccine for it. So the fact that and so really that was, I think, my turning point um, with COVID and just with new world order installation in the sense that I thought, you know what, there, this is this is a God thing now. Like the only leader that we really have at this point is God because everything else is just so demonic and, and it's it there's you know, it's, it's like end times, like the book of revelations where, you know, truth becomes lies and lies becomes truth. And people walk around with a market. I mean, it's just, it's absolute insanity. So from that point forward, once that vaccine hit the market, I was really like, nothing surprises me. Like uh, the digital ID, the vaccine passport, um, this plague, that plague, the next plague, you know, the formula shortages, the food shortages, the, mm. the petroleum choke off. At this point, nothing surprises me. But but I, like I said, from the beginning, I never thought the COVID vaccine would come to market. 
Well, while we're talking about um, vaccines a little bit, I want to get your thoughts on what is really behind this and on vaccines in general. Uh, We've had controversy uh, on vaccines for a long time, and I I think that there there are a lot of nefarious aspects to vaccinations and and vaccinations in general, and especially with this new um, mRNA, it's basically a a gene therapy, and it is not in any way a a traditional vaccination. I want to get your thoughts on all of that and what it actually is doing to humans. Well, so it's funny that you say that because uh, if you're not familiar or your audience is not familiar, there was the 1986 act that Ronald Reagan signed. And it was basically the pharmaceutical companies were in the process of going broke. They had a very, you know, low public opinion and they twisted Ronald Reagan's arms uh, and threatened him, basically. And we all know now that there's probably a level of dementia. So who knows really who actually signed the the ordinance bill, what a mandate, whatever it was at the time, um, that said that vaccine manufacturers will have no liability from this point forward. And as a consolation prize, for lack of a better word, they put together something called the the Vaccine Injury Act, which allowed people who stated that they were injured by a vaccine to go to vaccine injury court and try to be heard by this special court uh, and and a special judge assigned to that court to be able to sue. Actually, it's not even sue, it's just to validate their injury. Well, that was since 1986. Since then, um, they have continued to restrict and refine who is going to be heard in vaccine court. The wait list, of course, is years and years long. And things like seizures for the DTaP vaccine and and death are no longer allowed to be things that, that are quantifiable to be tried in vaccine court. So these are things that we brought, that I brought as, as a medical freedom advocate to the public 15 years ago. These were the authors and the advocates that we paid and and flew in various places for speakerships and things like that. So this has always been something that has been a little bit of a, 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 you know, a, a crab in my craw for lack of a better word. And so it kind of was a little laughable to me when people who had started to speak publicly against the COVID vaccine started to get censored. And then there was a little bit more media coverage about the censorship around the COVID vaccine. And, and I thought, you know what, geez, we've been, you know, censored for, you know, since 1986 about vaccine injury. And now everybody's starting to get all hot and bothered about it. So, I mean, that was something that was really concerning to me. Well, since I, then, uh, oh, ahead. sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to say since then, of course, the only way to identify a vaccine injury is to report it through a self-reporting system that was set up by the government called VAERS. Now, VAERS has swiped, they regularly just wipe out the data. So any, you know, mortality that has been listed, anybody that dies uh, due to an injury from a vaccine, they just get rid of those, the death counts. They have swiped the data at least twice that I'm aware of with regard to the COVID vaccine injuries that have come out. So, I mean, this has been, uh, this is just, you know, the same playbook, you know, for lack of a better word. And, and I think it's interesting that now everybody's starting to kind of be like, hey, this is an issue. I mean, we weren't able to run ads for conferences when we brought, you know, people for, that were advocates for medical freedom to conferences. So, I mean, this has been something that's been going on for a long time. And, and this is what concerns me most about the American people is the fact that, um, 
they have allowed, you know, we've got too comfortable. We've lived in the land of plenty for too long. And people are, you know, are, are at this place where like, it's okay if the government restricts this or restricts that it doesn't affect my life too much. Because, you know, like Hitler said, if you boil a frog a little bit at a time, they don't notice that the water's boiling until the end. And that's kind of where we're at at this point. I mean, we're boiling. We are boiling, kids. And this, these were things that we got on bended knee and begged, you know, our communities to be aware of and to speak out against and contact their legislature legislators for. So, well, I hate to get too conspiratorial, but that's the nature of my show, and we got to go there. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, after twenty twenty one is when we have our vaccinations rolling out. And yeah. all of a sudden, we have a, a, a big uh, increase in deaths and cardi cardiovascular problems, cardiac problems. Um, we've had we're seeing cardiac issues in children that have been vaccinated, and it makes me wonder, you know, if these deaths are indeed just from the vaccination have nothing to do with what they're calling COVID. And now we have monkeypox rolling out at a convenient time where it seems that vaccine injuries are ramping up, and we're seeing strange new illnesses pop up into the populace and i just want to get your thoughts on on that well interesting you should ask so i organized something in my local area called the farm swap so for any of you who aren't familiar i live out in farmland and so we meet once a month at a local church parking lot we bring our baby chicks our baby piglets our seedlings our squash and whatever and we kind of like buy and swap these items. So, I mean, the same type of people that are out here homesteading are also the ones that are digging deep into what's really going on in our world. So as we're packing up a, a, a woman who I'd met right after I moved here and kind of, you know, forgot about her for lack of a better word. And I started talking about the coronavirus, coronavirus vaccine and how um, this is a curious timeline, how the vaccine hit the market about two years ago. And now, you know, kind of like a butterball turkey, that, you know, the little marker pops up and says, okay, we're ready to go. Here we have monkeypox, like right on cue. So there definitely is something to that. Um, I haven't quite looked into the research, but my speculation is, is that as we all know, this wasn't really a true vaccine. It was a medical device because they use nanotechnology. So there was no, with regard to the COVID vaccine, it's not a vaccine, even based on, on pharmaceutical medical theory, a vaccine is tiny particles, parts, or uh, an inactivated virus injected into the human body that elicits an immune response. And that is not what a COVID vaccine does. It's uh, the COVID vaccine is, is nanotechnology that does absolutely none of those things. Doesn't give you immunity, doesn't reduce your, your risk of, of contracting the vaccine, uh, the, the illness, and it doesn't uh, reduce your symptoms if you do contract the illness. So my, so, and and we knew that there were monkeypox in there, particularly the, um, I think it was the AstraZeneca one, which oh, is wow. also really common because a lot of times in the, ma the making and manufacturing of vaccines, they use one antigen to kind of potentiate another one. So, I mean, very clearly in the AstraZeneca vaccine, I think it was AstraZeneca, one of them anyway, um, had monkeypox in there as an antigen. And so there's something to the nanotechnology and the timing that I haven't quite figured out, but I know there's something there. Well, I think this is a good segue into the the nature of viruses and diseases and what they're calling COVID and monkeypox. Um, 
Right. What are your thoughts? Are, are these even transmissible the way they're saying from animal to human uh, and from human to human the way they're saying airborne? Whatever that they're, they're coming up with that is uh, explanation for what they're calling these diseases or whatever right. they are. I don't there has not been any concrete evidence that I have seen that has shown that this has been transmissible from animal to human. Um, I don't believe that's the case. I, I do believe this is biological warfare, and I do believe it was timely at, timely released out of a lab. Um, I do believe that it is an actual virus. Um, I am a medically trained doctor, and I do believe that viruses are not live particles. They require a host cell in order to replicate. Now, I'm also a terrain theorist, okay? So a terrain theorist believes that you get sick because of maladaption, because you eat too much sugar, you haven't gotten enough sunlight. You know, there's something that is out of balance in your body. I mean, certainly the fear narrative or, you know, people staying home and locked up are all things that could start eating junk food, drinking too much. I've had five patients in my tiny practice go to AA after this that were not you know, any kind of social drinkers even prior. So, uh, you know, all of these maladaptive behaviors and, and lifestyles that, that we were subjected to for two years of lockup are things that I think can increase your susceptibility to a virus, especially a novel virus, if it is in fact a novel virus, which means that the human genome has not had any exposure to it. So um, there is some speculation, which I always kind of, you know, use as my, you know, little caveat in the sense that the virus has not been isolated to the best of my knowledge. Um, you know, there is no concrete you know, evidence that shows that any of the testing that we've done has been accurate in any way. And as you remember, you know, all the mainstream media stations had, you know, the the, the tickers up of all the, the cases. You know, we weren't even talking about deaths. We weren't seeing people die in the street of bloody eyes and things like that. We were just talking about all these people that drove to a parking lot, got a, you know, Q-tip stuck up their nose and tested positive on a PCR test. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing was just such smoke and mirrors that, I mean, you, you have to take everything that was really portrayed in, in the, the loop narrative as maybe 10% factual. And I think that's being generous. Well, I want to get a little bit further into terrain theory since you mentioned it. Uh, for the audience that may not be familiar, could you explain a little bit more about it and uh, the nature of what we call germs and bacteria and how that plays in to uh, our overall health? Sure. So there's basically two theories um, that have to do with how the human body stays healthy and, and gets sick. One is called the germ theory, which really, and it's theory, it's the same thing. It's, it's like big bang, bang theory. It is like the theory of evolution. This is all somebody's idea about how something got to some place. This is not gospel or scientific law by any means. But what has happened is in, in this whole globalist agenda that's been pushed since the 1960s, we've taken the theory of creation out of schools and only taught the agenda-based theory of evolution. The same with the Big Bang Theory, all of these things that, that have now, and if you like conspiracy theories, I'm sure you're in the same boat as I am with, you know, there are biblical references to the fact that the earth is flat. There are biblical references to the fact that, you know, the sun rotates around the earth. 
and all of these things that that we have really been indoctrinated against. Um, and so I totally lost my stroke. Oh, so then anyway, so the idea that germs, which are little invisible things, are the things that make us sick. They get on us, they get in us, they disrupt our immune system and they make us sick. So with that comes fear right? So what a terrain theorist is, is a terrain theorist believes that our body is sovereign, both both from a spiritual and an immunological standpoint, and that we are healthy and uh, are supposed to be healthy every day of our lives. And it is the, the disruption that causes the disease. So if you are stressed, if you don't have any sleep, if you got into an argument or a car accident or any of these things that disrupt your, your natural homeostasis, that stressor is what actually makes you sick. So you as a human have total control over your health and over your illness. I think is a much better theory if we're talking yeah. about scientific law. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Now, where does that bring us with things like um, cancer? Let's start with this one. Uh, I know that there, even lately, there's been a lot of speculation that if you don't go get your pre-screening and, and take your cancer meds, that uh, you may live for a lot longer than if you do. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on that and the, the nature of things like cancer. Yeah. So um, I, you probably follow history and, you know, in 1973, uh, Richard Nixon stated hospitals could actually change their status to for profit. That following year, the uh, incidence of cancer diagnosis and treatment went up like 150 percent. So my opinion is, is the vast majority of what we're seeing with cancer is largely environmental. We know that the, uh, the overwhelming amount of tr what they're calling treatment for cancer is actually carcinogenic itself. Yeah. So I would say for anybody that has a diagnosis of cancer to do some uh, real solid research and, and really sit with yourself, either with God or your higher power or meditation or whatever it is that you do and decide if this is really what's right for you. And, and part of the problem with cancer is, is people fear it you know, to the depths of their soul. So when you have a diagnosis of cancer, what's interesting is, is that, let me back up for a little bit. What's interesting with cancer is, is that people are more likely to believe a doctor that tells you you have cancer and you're going to die than to believe themselves in their own immune system that you can cure it yourself and you're going to live. Yes, which that makes I think, a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, which I think is the saddest thing that we have. Sugar feeds cancer. Mm. Cancer is anaerobic. It, it doesn't live on oxygen. It, it will die in an oxygen-rich environment. We have the power within our own body in many, many cases to cure cancer. Yes. Yeah, that's that's uh, great information. Now, what about the doctors that want you to cut out the cancers? Um, that seems like one of the, the first go-tos besides, you know, chemotherapy. Well, I think it all, you know, each cancer is individual and you have to take, you know, that's one thing about holistic medicine is you look at each individual person and it's really much more important to look at the person that has the disease than the disease that has the person. And you have to decide what is the, the best individual strategy and treatment plan for that person. Um, you know, I've had patients over the years who have had, you know, masses of, you know, cancers 
cut out and done very well. That was the right choice for them. I think in other cases, it might not be, you know, there may be people or I've had people, uh, you know, with experience. I don't do a lot of cancer treatment. Actually, I actually work more with patients who come to me after having treatment and I help them rebuild their gut and their immune system. So I have to say, quite honestly, it's not my area of expertise, but I have seen, at least in my experience, that people have made their own individual decisions and have done very, very well with positive outcomes. How has um, the uh, members of the medical community reacted or responded to your work? Have you gotten any negativity? Um, I kind of stay in my own little, um, you know, my own little safe house. I, I prefer an echo chamber. Um, I think I ended up on quack docs list. I, I, in fact, I got more patients out of quack docs than I ever did in any of the advertising I did in my own office. So I think that, you know, one of the most important things you need to do if you're seeking a provider is to find one that's on the same page as you. And you don't find a doctor that is, you know, close to you or takes your insurance or whatever if they are saying things that are completely counterintuitive to what you believe is right for your body. So um, yeah, over the years that people said stuff to me, of course. Um, I mean, that's, that's their karma. That has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good answer. Uh, you mentioned uh, good old Fauci earlier, and that made me think of some of the revelations we're finding out about him and his ties to the AZT meds and everything behind uh, AIDS. And I want to yeah. get your thoughts on this. There's, you know, just like we're talking about cancer, if you just don't take that medicine, you might live for a lot longer than you do. And it seems to be very much so the case with some of these AIDS drugs like AZT. Oh my gosh. So my very beginning of my nursing career was right kind of at the height of the AIDS epidemic. And I remember being an ICU, like a student, a student nurse in the ICU. And I remember saying, they were, they were saying, oh yeah, when we give ACT to men, it lowers their viral count, but when we give it to women, it kills them. And I mean, they were just throwing drugs at um, patients like you would not believe. And case in point, I was a brand new nurse. I was working in the um, emergency room and we had switched the, um, uh, the, the apparatuses we were using to um, put in IVs. And if we went from one system to another and I hadn't been trained on it. So I went to insert an IV in a patient and I actually stuck my own finger with the needle that I had already inserted in the patient in the middle of like AIDS, right? So they send you down to employee health. It was on a good, it was on good Friday on top of it all. And I'm sitting there, it's like, I think it was 22 years old, 21 maybe. And the occupational health nurse offered me AZT because of my risk for contracting uh, HIV through that needle stick. Wow. And so she said, do you want to take it? And I said, no, I'm going to go home and pray about it. And of course, three days later, my HIV test was negative. The patient's HIV test was negative. And I remember like literally 20 plus years later, having this conversation with my mom. And I said, could you imagine like if I had taken that AZT, like where I would be today? Like, I can't even imagine what that would have done to my body. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it's, man, it is sad and it's insane that people we trust, doctors, uh, the medical industry, pharmaceuticals, we, uh, not us, but most people uh, think that they have their best interests in mind and that modern medicine and hospitals, you go to hospital, they're supposed to save your life when in actuality, they don't care anything about your health. And it's only about the almighty dollar and bottom line and probably keeping you a lifelong customer coming back, right? Well, and it's about compliance and control because, you know, I've had patients that have gone into hospitals that, you know, didn't want to do this treatment, didn't want to do that treatment. They got thrown out of a doctor's office. They got discharged from the hospital. They got thrown off their insurance. I mean, I thought in a hospital, I mean, I, I, I didn't go to nursing school so very long ago, but in nursing school, we were told that the pain that patients say they're having is the pain that they're having. And you always uphold their rights and you advocate for your patient above and beyond even what, what conventional Medicare, medical care dictates. So I don't know what the heck happened between when I graduated from school in the mid-90s to today. I mean, it's absolutely insanity what they're doing to people. And, and now the only thing I can, I can be really thankful for the COVID pandemic is, is that I think we've gone back to that kind of mentality that hospitals are a scary place and you do not want to go there for any justifiable reason other than like dismemberment, you know? Yeah. What really frustrates me is doctors and their their lack of willingness to come out and stand up against the system and their willingness to participate in this. And I thought doctors having uh, the education that they would would be smarter than a lot of this stuff. And I, it just makes me wonder, is it just about the kickbacks that they're getting and they want to maintain that status and they don't want to be uh, ousted of the, the medical community? I don't know. What are your thoughts on especially no Knowing what many of us have learned over the past couple of years, what's the mentality of people going into the medical industry? I think it's cognitive. I think the real problem is cognitive dissonance. I think, you know, especially the doctors that are my age, even a little younger, you fought tooth and nail for that position in medical school. You fought. You fought to pay $50,000 a year to go to medical school and then do a residency that you were up working 36 hours straight. You paid for this. Do you know what I mean? So that, that was the first thing. Then you spend four years getting indoctrinated into a system. It's not a medical education. It's, a, it's an indoctrination into a system. So now you're in practice and the only point of contact you have for um, medical research and access to, to verifiable studies is from pharmaceutical reps. 95% of the education that physicians get is from a pharmaceutical rep trying to sell them a drug. 
Okay. There, there's the medical research out there is completely biased. And that's, that's a, that's a true statement hundred percent of the time, including the medical research I read, you know, it's biased and I like it. So I read it, but I mean, it, it's hugely biased. And if you look at the byline and you look, who's putting out these studies of it, uh, 99 times out of 10, it is a medical doctor that's been funded by a pharma, pharmaceutical company. And that goes way back to, you know, Rockefeller medicine. I have a girlfriend now who's in medical school and she, you know, texts me pictures of, of, you know, paragraphs in her book and, and things that they tell you and they, and, and, you know, how medical intimidation and bullying is basically okay. If, you know, your patients don't want to do what you tell them to do. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's a God awful system, but, but imagine being in that system for 20, 30, 40 years, you still have student loans from the institution that you've begged, borrowed, and pleaded to get into, and then served them basically as a slave. And here you are like now to sit there and, and swallow that you may very well have harmed patients over hurting them in spite of taking a Hippocratic oath is a really hard pill to swallow. So a lot of these doctors don't even go there and it just becomes part of the protocol. This is how we do it. You ask, I, I have yet to meet a medical doctor that can actually name five ingredients in any vaccine that's out there, let alone oh, COVID. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Very I sad. have yet to meet a medical doctor that can tell me what the drug interactions are between any two given pharmaceutical drugs that I name and pull out of the air. Well, I, I mean, think... so go ahead, you, know, you can finish. It's, I was just going to say, it's just, it's just a tough pill just to, to, to swallow. And similarly, <laughs> I think we get the same thing with parents. I mean, you go to a doctor, you trust the doctor. The doctor says, put your baby on formula, feed them food, give them all of these vaccines, and they end up with anaphylactic allergies or colitis or an autoimmune disease by six. How is a mother, when you're supposed to, your only job on this planet is to protect that baby, sit down and actually sit with yourself and feel like you had some part in harming that individual that, that God sent you to protect. I mean, yeah. that's... You're absolutely that's right. Tough. It, it, and it is it is very sad that we can't rely on doctors or the medical professionals or at least more of them to stand up for for what's happening right now. Uh, right. I, I think that it's going to be ultimately up to us not to participate in it anymore and just build our own systems and our own sustainable communities and our and educate ourselves about the healthcare system because they're going to keep going. They don't want this to ever to ever stop. Um, but do you see that a kind of crumbling of the the modern medical industry. I know it's hard to tell how many people are on the side of truth and justice because we don't hear it from the mainstream media. We don't hear it on the news. We're only hearing one side of everything. So it's hard to tell how many people are on board with just the corruption, that the, knowing about it and not participating with it. What do you think? I completely agree. I'm involved in, in many groups that talk about well, now my focus is really on decentralizing the food supply. I mean, I have a farm. So the only thing I literally leave my property for is stupid feed. So I'm actually in the process of growing my own fodder for my chickens and, and you know, some of the grains, but I don't have enough acre. I have four horses, so I don't have enough acreage to grow the hay that I need. So I'm working on growing some of the fodder and grains for them as well. And I think 
if we can decentralize the food supply. And, you know, when my kids were little, this is, this is terrible, but sorry, this is what happens when you're my kid. I explained to them that being dependent on the government was not a, a good thing. And uh, I used the expression at one point called uh, sucking off the government teeth, yeah. which my kids, of course, you know how kids are with stuff like that. So that's become like this running kind of funny in our family when we see somebody who's like, you know, looking for government assistance or whatever, they call them teeth suckers. And so now that we're out in farm country, it's, you know, even more poignant. But nonetheless, you know, I'm really working, you know, fervently in my community and just, you know, anybody that will listen to, to really help them grow their own food, grow their own medicine and really help decentralize the food supply and get off that government teat. Like you shouldn't, the government shouldn't know you and you shouldn't know the government. And that's really what I aim for. Yeah, for sure. And I want to get a little bit more into uh, what you're doing with Farm Swap and things like that later because I am connecting people who do things like this and are trying to start sustainable communities. And I want to, you know, make as many of those connections as possible across the, the country so we have that network of people starting sustainable communities and uh, things like that. But uh, I do want to talk about that a little later. First, I want to uh, talk a bit more about some of the things that you're focusing in on on your website. First one, I can't pronounce, but MTHFR. What is this? So MTHFR is one of my most favorite things to talk about. It is a gene. It's one of the 20,000 genes that exist, one of the 4 billion combinations out there in in the human genome. And it's one gene that codes for um, an enzyme that takes folic acid, which is actually synthetic, another medical misnomer, because for years we were miseducated that folic acid and folate were the same thing. And that's grossly false. Folic acid is actually synthetic and folate is the usable form for the human body. So this, the MTHFR enzyme actually converts the synthetic folic acid into the usable form. That enzyme is present, or that lack of enzyme is present in approximately 60% of the population across the world. Um, It's an adaptive gene, like most of our human genes are. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that in in a society that we live in with an abundance of toxicity, if you're not coding and utilizing your B vitamins, particularly your folate correctly, you have a little bit of a backlog of toxicity higher levels of toxicity stuck in the circulatory system, central nervous system, liver, kidneys, and whatever, of course, can lead to chronic disease of many kinds, including cancer. So identifying if you have an issue with this gene, um, identifying if the enzyme is working properly or improperly is one of those things that we can attribute to, you know, long time and long-term disease-free health. Right. Now, if this is going to be an issue for people, what are some things that they would definitely want to avoid? So you definitely, definitely want to avoid synthetic folic acid, which is really only found in processed foods. So if you don't eat any processed foods, you're in good shape there. Um, You also want to make sure that you avoid anything that is difficult to uh, eliminate from the body. Organophosphates like glyphosate, cigarette smoke, um, you know, know, any kind of, of toxins that are in the plastic family. Those are all things that can be really, really toxic and, and difficult to remove from the body 
because B vitamins, particularly folate is required for those particular detox pathways. So the good news is, is that a good amount of people live a full and healthy life, you know, without carrying this genetic mutation and never really ever expressing it because they don't live a toxic lifestyle. The bad news is, is that we live in toxic soup. And I see kids that are six, seven, eight years old in my practice that come to see me that have now chronic disease because nobody ever addressed their genetic, you know, mutations. And now we have to kind of clean up a mess. Now you also uh, focus a little bit on factors that affect fertility. And I would imagine that there's a lot you'd have to watch out for, especially these days with, you know, not only pharmaceuticals, but everything they're putting in the air, food, water, like you just said, right? For sure. And so fertility kind of is coupled with MTHFR. I test all my patients that are struggling with fertility with um, for MTHFR. And again, it's a lot of the same things. What I'm finding a lot in my practice is a lot of my fertility patients have issues with thyroid. Um, generally the, the medical statistic is 10% of fertility comes from men. In my practice, it's about 50%. So um, I'm also treating a lot of men, you know, just for low sperm count or uh, poorly shaped sperm, you know, those sorts of things, which just mean that their genetics are friable. The beauty about being able to treat treat men is that sperm is really easily released from the body and really easily made. So it's a really short period of time, as long as there's no damage to the organs that um, we really can kind of fix and balance that problem. So it's kind of interesting. But yes, I, I see more and more of it, younger and younger patients. And, and as of late, what I've been seeing quite a bit of is patients that have had repeated loss. So these poor women can get pregnant. They just can't stay pregnant past 10, 12 or 14 weeks. And that in a lot of cases tends to be a genetic uh, challenge point. Should uh, men have to be worried about like frequencies, like having their their cell phone in their pocket for too long? I mean, I wouldn't do it either way just because I wouldn't want to, you know, have that frequency blasting out. But things like that or even, you know, 5G or other millimeter wave frequencies that are around us. Yeah, well, and that's the biggest problem that we see with sperm is the radiate the sperm is really, really susceptible to damage by radiation. So when I was in, in Connecticut, you'll appreciate this story. I, you know, we live really close to a submarine base. I had a good amount of patients that were submariners. And it was always very interesting to me is that when these families would come in, they'd have three, four, five, six girls. So the reason that that is, is because the sub the submariners that are next to that nuclear reactor, because these were nuclear subs, we were in Connecticut, um, the radiation from that actually damages the, the sperm with the Y chromosome. So the Navy families that would come in that would have boys, I would, you know, not, you know, I'm completely unfiltered, obviously. And I'd be like, were you on shore duty when he was conceived? And almost 100% of the time, they would be like, yep, because they weren't, you know, didn't have that proximity to radiation. So we know 5G is radiation. I mean, it's micro radiation. So it's going to be a huge problem. Sperm counts in men today are 50% what they were 50 years ago, what our fathers and grandfathers were. So that's... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A really scary statistic because not only are we seeing less sperm, but we're seeing less quality of sperm. So if you see less quality of sperm, more friability of eggs. So we're talking about DNA that's damaged from the get-go. What are we going to get when we create these humans? Right. And well, it's they're making advancements to, you know, these Wi-Fi signals, frequencies all the time. They're getting stronger and stronger. Um, I don't see how we can be sustainable and keep sustaining our health with these ever-increasing frequencies. It seems like they're trying to, to modify us slowly so that we can maybe have ourselves merged with technology, maybe, that we don't rely on the natural world as much anymore. Um, it definitely seems that within a few years if we keep going this way we may not have the same dna that we had before what do you think about that well i think it's it's absolutely probable the other thing is i mean i'm super deep in the rabbit hole with the combination of the nanotechnology and the 5g and mm. and the pulsing of the 5g and and that is something that we've been following for years because i've been you know helping patients recover from autism and we know that autism overwhelmingly is you know a dna problem and inflation inflammation problem and also a problem with heavy metals so the problem with heavy metals in little kids is the most commonplace for them to be found is in their brain. It's the fattiest part of their body. So you start, you know, having all these heavy metals in the brain and then you pulse the 5G. Anybody that puts a spoon in a microwave knows how that's going to work out. And so, you know, you, you, it's no wonder why words like mast cell activation disease, disorder and cytokine storm have now become, you know, words that are commonly used in daily, uh, you know, discussions. And so that's kind of scary too. It is, and now now we're getting deep. Uh, since we went, since we're going here, I want to get your thoughts even further into this. There's plenty of uh, guests I've had that have speculated that the technology being used in the vaccinations are directly connected to certain frequencies, uh, certain frequencies that they have access to, and could possibly cause different reactions in our human biology, different even possible illnesses or um, mental reactions. And I want to get your thoughts on that. I definitely think there's something to that. There was also speculation even 15 years ago about that being the case with uh, a lot of the psychiatric drugs that had come on the market. Mm. Again, there was no viable study that showed that giving this drug has this biochemical reaction in, in a body, and that's what makes you uh, less sad or more happy or whatever the outcome was. So, I mean, you, you got to wonder about drugs that have things like fluoride, you know, sodium fluoride in them and other things that can be bioreactive that they're giving to, you know, they promote it. Don't you remember? Well, you might be a little younger than I am, but Time Magazine did uh, an expose. I think it was in the late nineties about how wonderful antidepressant medications <laughs> were and how it got, you know, women off the cigarettes and, and the booze and all that made them better mothers, you know? So, and how they were giving it to teenagers because teenagers were so something and dejected. Well, I'm pretty sure that almost every person that was a mass shooter recently was on some kind of antidepressant as well. 
Uh, yeah. you, we find this with a lot of uh, you know people that are committing these heinous, dis- horrible crimes and suicide. Suicide at an all-time high right now, and you not only you know do you have to worry about that, but if you're depressed and you just want maybe you traditionally did some cocaine or something, now you have to worry about dying if you go to, to do cocaine. So we right. live in a very terrifying world when it comes to outside chemicals and, and influence. Yeah, it's, it is. It's very scary. And I mean, you know, you probably have two dozen stories that you can think of off the top of your head, but there's one in particular that still stays with me. It was a friend of a friend. Uh, Her daughter was friendly with this girl. Uh, This girl had been in therapy, like, I don't know, like six weeks. The therapist recommended she go on an SSRI um, for just some social stress that was going on in school. She was on the SSRI for two weeks and her parents found her hung in her room. I mean, I think she was like yeah. 15 years old. I mean, it's still, to, it happened probably about five years ago. It's still to this day. I still check on the mom. Like it just was such an awful, awful direct cause and effect that just still upsets me, you know? Yeah. And we, they don't talk about the uh, the amount of people committing suicide right now and the rise in mental illness that I believe is, of course, directly connected to everything happening. And, you know, I think, again, it's all part of the plan to, to, you know, as a one part of it to make us weak as a as a society, for sure. And then, two to have more control over us. Well, you know, so I just recently was telling the story about how, again, when I was a brand new nurse, I was working in an emergency room. And I remember somebody had come in that wanted to harm themselves. And, and 20 years ago, you didn't hear that a lot, you know. And um, so I remember we put them in, we had a rubber room in the emergency room. We put them in the rubber room, you know, it had no windows and no doors. And he sat on the floor and we had a rubber room. And so a, a psychiatrist went in, they talked to him. He said he wouldn't harm himself. And then they discharged him. And I thought even then as like, a, a, as, as a young nursing student, I thought, my gosh, I was like, there's gotta be a better way to treat patients. And I, I think in, in many ways we have gone even farther backwards with how we treat psychiatric patients. Now, instead of using a rubber room, we just give them Haldol. So they're catatonic for three or four days. You know, there was a study, a patent that was just passed a couple of years ago that, um, you know, interestingly enough, nanotechnology, where they were going to put these nanos into psychiatric medications so that patients that took psychiatric medications could be trapped for medication compliance. Wow. Yeah, that is so, um, terrifying. Brave new world, you know. A hundred percent. There is a. There has been an increase in uh, strange phenomena when it comes to our our overall weather patterns, things going on um, on the planet, um, and there's speculation that we are long overdue for the next cataclysm that has uh, in our past and maybe even more recently than we thought possibly wiped out a large portion of civilization and some speculate that there are those in high uh, circles elite circles that already know that we're overdue for a new cataclysm and that could be one of the reasons why they're taking all these measures and putting forward all these agendas uh, because they know that something could possibly be coming on this planet that may have a huge effect on our population. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yes. Yeah, so I've been following the, um, the, I think that 
Sorry, my dogs are barking. Okay. I think my neighbor's out walking. I have a whole team here. It's my it's my security team. You let me quiet. Um, I've been following the pole switching. You know, we've just relocated to Southwest Florida, and you know there were lots and lots of reports that if the poles switch, Florida would be underwater and mm. all of that. And I'm like, listen, I I just set up my food forest. Like I'm not going any. I'm going. I'll go down with the ship. You know, I'll get my boat and I'll pick the the fruit at the top of the trees. Like I'm I'm not going anywhere. So um. I do think that there is is some very reliable research that is coming down the pike about that. I do think it's something that people do need to be concerned about. Um, and I do think the weather patterns are crazy. And, you know, 10 years ago when I was living in Connecticut, the governor would um, arrest you if you were out on the road, you know, and tell you, you know, to stay home for three days during a snowstorm. You know, that was, I think, the the um, preparation for a lot of the lockdowns and lock-ins and, and uh, you know, climate lockdowns that I think are actually coming next. So um, I do think there's quite a bit of extreme weather. We had a frost here in Southwest Florida this year. It's the first time in 10 years. I mean, it was in like, I, all my grass died. I, I feed farm animals, like all my grass died. Uh, all my farmers who feed uh, grass fed animals uh, had really skinny animals. I mean, we were really struggling for a while. I, and I do find that the weather is more and more extreme each and every year as it is right now, we're waiting for rain. So I think there's some verifiable research that shows that. I mean, to the same point, I think that, you know, all this climate change hoax stuff that's going on, I think is, is really preposterous and, and completely narcissistic of the US government to think that a, 150 years of records can, can be the end all be all for an earth that's been here by some accords for billions of years. So I mean, who are we other than as humans who are here for a short period of time, need to be mindful of our earth? and not dim out our sun and, you know, just be prepared for things that could possibly be coming down the pike. And I do think a good amount of the East coast does need to be aware that, that things are possible coming forward. Yeah, for sure. And another possibility along the climate change realm, uh, I agree 100% that they are pushing the false narrative when it comes to climate change. I think they want to kind of herd everybody into smart cities and be in control. And that's another possibility that they already have control of the weather uh, through whatever technology that they're using to, to manipulate it. I know that they've been doing cloud seeding for years. Chemtrails yeah. are definitely real. They're spraying stuff in the sky. But to the yeah. extent that they can i don't know i believe and have theories that they have controlled certain hurricanes in the past few years and been able to manipulate very dangerous storms across the world so uh, i completely think that that's a possibility as well that they may have some level of control over a cataclysm i completely agree and i think uh during i think it was the 2016 election that there was some speculation that a couple of the patents were owned by uh, a variety of other political candidates, you know, ones that can't get any uh, charges to stick and, and such. So, uh, and those are all verified, you know, as far as, you know, the, the, they're called weather patterning patents and things like that. So I do think that there is some control over that. And we used to laugh in the Northeast during political season. We'd be like, oh, the rain comes, we know the Democrats are, are going out to vote. So right. <laughs> I don't like one of those. <laughs> right on. Well, this is a great time. Let's talk about uh, Farm Swap and what you're doing with that. 
Sure. So I got involved with a really great company called uh, Food Forest Abundance, where I help educate. Jim, and, Jim uh, Gale? Yeah, you know Jim? Yeah, he's going to be our affiliate soon. Yeah. Oh, awesome. He's an amazing guy. So I help people set up their own food forest, decentralize the food supply, grow what you need, uh, permaculture. So you have things that come back year after year. And I really focus on uh, the permaculture and sustainability for those of us who are farm animals. So like I said, the feed is really the the crab in my cross. So I'm looking to feed my horses and, and particularly my chickens without having to go purchase feed at a feed store, especially now in the current. Right. So um, I've done that with my own property. Um, I just recently, just kind of on a whim, because I'm relatively new here, was I set up a farm swap. So I called a local a bunch of my local farm friends and said, let's get together once a month and, and sell the stuff we grow and, and make on our own properties and, you know, just see if we can start creating a tribe. So I right. put, um, you know, a little bit of a formula together for food forest abundance and, and just educated some people on that because I think those are the things that we need in a sustainable community. Uh, you're 100% spot on. And that's what I want to kind of add on to what everyone is doing with these uh, sustainable communities and connect everyone that's doing it across the country. So we have mm-hmm. kind of a, a nationwide connection of people with sustainable communities that all have the same types of, you know, fundamental ideas in mind for what they want. Uh, and I think it'd be a, a great thing. And I love what Jim is doing. Um, for for those that may be, you know, interested in starting something like their own garden or farming, or anything like that, I know it's, you know, it can, if you look at the big picture and be very daunting getting started, but what would you recommend to people if they if they were just trying to get started, maybe a few simple pointers? So honestly, what I tell everybody is grow cow peas. You feel like the jolly green giant. Cow peas are black eyed peas. I mean, you could buy the ones in, in a bag in the grocery store. You soak them for 24 hours. You put them in dirt. You water them. Make sure the, the air temperature or the soil temperature is greater than 65 degrees. And they sprout in like 48 hours. I mean, you feel like you've done it yourself. So start there and then branch out to you know whatever you want. Figure out what grows in your climate it the best and then scale it, you know, because I do think we're coming up. I think this is the last summer and that it's going to really be some echo or shadow of America. And after that, I think we're really going to be in some sort of whether it's climate lockdown, food shortages or whatever. So at, at the risk of sounding like a Debbie Downer, I think now's the time to, to figure out what works for your property, whether you have a third of an acre or 33 acres, you know, you can grow stuff. I mean, people in Cuba, are constantly having food shortages and their backyards are really tiny and they grow beautiful gardens in very small areas. So we can do it here too. Yeah. And if anything, we will definitely experience a financial collapse of some sort. It's inevitable. There's no avoiding it. And we don't know the severity and what comes along with that. But why not just be prepared for anything? Why not you right. know, just start on it? Uh, we've recently started our own garden. Hopefully we'll be getting some chickens soon, have our own yep. little uh, sustainable place here. So uh, that's great. Uh, Dr. Kendra, thank you so much for coming on today. This was fantastic for people that want to know more about you and what you're offering uh could you give us your website if you have any social media all that good stuff 
Sure. So my website is drkendrabecker.com. Um, I am on Instagram. That's Dr. Kendra Becker, no spaces. That's more of my farm and, and the stuff I do with my homestead. And then I'm on Facebook, but I'm regularly shadow banned. So if you're looking for me, it's Dr. Space Kendra Space Becker. And if you type it just like that, you generally can find me on a good day. So um, on my website, also linked through my social media, I have a, a beautiful course called keeping healing in the home that really helps people with very practical, inexpensive home remedies, medicine cabinet makeovers, talks a little bit about MTHFR, some healing diets, all things you can do to keep yourself healthy and out of, you know, uh, under, out of underneath the government's thumb and out of the hospital. So that can be really, really helpful for people who are kind of just, you know, digging in at this point with um, trying to homestead. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Kendra. That was awesome. And I definitely want to speak with you again in the future. We have to keep in touch. Absolutely. I look absolutely forward to it. Thank you so much. For sure. Until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening and we'll be talking again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.